Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners, the show that has so-called comedians review tomorrow's papers instead of stuffy old journalists. I'm Dominic Frisby and with me tonight we have two old pros and I mean that in every sense of the word. It's Leo Kurse and Steve N. Allen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Steve. I gather you... you well, I gather we know you're, you're recently a, a father, so how is fatherhood yeah. treating you? Um, it's daunting, isn't it? A responsibility to grow a human into one who's not a bad one. I mean, what am I basing on as well? Me? I don't know. I'm going to do this. Uh, he's, he, if he's based on you, he will know his chemistry, if nothing true. else. Yeah. And Leo, recently married. How is married life treating you? It's good getting into a nice little rut now. Learned some, uh, some things. Like, apparently, if I, if I don't do any cleaning... She eventually does it. <laughs> <It's a> g- <laughs> right, on that note, let's take a look at the headlines and we'll start with the Daily Mail, uh, which has How long can the party gate farce go on? Boris's plea as MPs force yet another inquiry. There's also two child victims of killers aged just 13 and yet more grotesque failings. We'll be looking at both of those stories in just a minute. On to the Telegraph, Johnson buckles over party inquiry. Uh, And there's a picture of Boris uh, putting on a turban, a little bit of cultural (laughs) appropriation there. Uh, uh, Ukrainians training to use armoured vehicles on UK soil and cyber attack risk to working from home. On to the Guardian. Um, MPs back lies inquiry on day of humiliation for PM. And there's a picture of Boris. Um, I don't quite know where he is, but uh, he's in India. There we go. And Mariupol, civilians thrown in mass graves. On to the Financial Times. There's Boris again in India. Johnson faces MPs inquiry. Presumably one of the reasons he's gone to India is to escape all of this. Number 10 threatens to shred Brexit trade deal with new Northern Ireland bill. Uh, Stormont constitutional crisis feared. May local elections key. Anger likely in Brussels. It's always anger. If it's not anger, it's fury. And there's Musk enlists a dozen banks in 46 billion financing package to drive Twitter bid. So he won't be using all of his own money. After all, the mirror... Uh, at last, Tories turn on MP. Party veterans call for Boris to quit as he faces probe into Commons lies. The Times is next. Uh, PM bows to new party's inquiry after Tory revolt. There's also revitalised Russia can still win war, Western intelligence warns. And there's a picture of Emmanuel Macron uh, on the campaign trail uh, punching an an amateur boxer who looks considerably bigger than him and looks like he could quite easily flatten Emmanuel Macron uh, just by waving his little finger. On we go to the Daily Express. New treasure trove of clues in cancer fight. 
this is a story we'll be covering. It's a rather an exciting potential breakthrough. There's also a picture of Boris in India, Boris on a mission to sign huge trade deal. Uh, and finally, we have the Metro, which has calls to turbinate PM. The gig is up. Boris, and there's a picture of Steve Baker, who gave a pretty epic speech in Parliament today, a man who many think should, in fact, be the PM. And those are today's headlines. I said those are today's headlines. They are today's, if you're watching the early morning show, if you're watching the late night show, they are tomorrow's headlines. Anyway, one of those little quirks of the schedule. Schedule. So we go to Friday's Times and like an Ian Blackford speech, Partygate goes on and on and on. Steve. Yep, next set is uh, a Commons investigation. That's going to be the next part of this. Well, I say it's going to be. In quite a while, because sadly we're doing all of these in a serial fashion rather than in parallel. So uh, MPs have passed a motion setting up an official inquiry by the Commons Privileges Committee. We're basically looking at did Boris Johnson mislead Parliament, and by mislead they mean lie in. Simple as that. Was he not? Was he saying something he knows not to be true? So they. The problem is though, they've now got this investigation that will happen after the Sue Gray one, after the Met Police one. But the Scotland Yard has said they're not going to do any updates until after the May elections. I don't understand why. So they're not subject to perda. But also, this is not a trial by jury. It's this bizarre refrain that politicians go to. Well, I couldn't possibly comment while the investigation happens. Why not, in case you give it some good information? <laughs> not sure why you're not willing to be open about it. But I think the, the more interesting thing, the, the tide is changing here, the tide's turning, from the point of view of the Conservative MPs who are now thinking, oh, do I want to still be tied to this particular wagon? Maybe things are looking dodgy. And that's, where, that's why we're seeing a, a bit of a change, because for Tories, their kryptonite is corruption. For Labour, it's always economical issues. And if this is starting to look like corruption... You kind of uh, not blame the Tory MPs for thinking, oh, I'm not sure I want to be linked to this. Yeah, and you'd imagine they're going to take a bit of a hit in the May elections next week. I mean, they're bound to take a bit of a hit uh, next week. But, I mean, I think people, as, a, as an electorate, as a, as a nation, we're just bored of all this party stuff. I mean, like, the governments do far worse stuff than this. Tony Blair invaded Iraq. He devolved parliaments. He instituted faith schools. He uh, introduced mass, unfettered, unscrutinised immigration. Like, there, there's been so much more, like stuff that's been more damaging uh, to us as a nation. Uh, you know, I think coming up with some rules, we've got to remember, Boris only came up with these rules because we're a nation of crybabies who absolutely, you know, <laughs> beg and demand to be mollycoddled and tucked into our room at night like it's like it's a, a travelodge. You know, when we stay in a hotel and they tuck it in so tight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and also lying. Like, nobody's really that bothered that Boris lies. He's like Trump. Like, lying is priced into the brand. We know he's lying, we enjoy his lies, and we know what he really means. Did you, did either of you see Steve Baker's speech today? No, I think it's it. It's worth watching on YouTube. It was, it was quite a speech, but he made the point that... You sort of made that point, although I think you're coming into it at a different angle as Steve Baker, which is that Blair got away with it, Boris got away with it. You can get away with that much more if you're the PM, but anyone in any other position you know, whether it was a CEO of a company or a, or a you know, a, a minister, a government minister would have had to resign by now. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, he's probably got a point. But also, I'd, I'd like to say Steve Baker, he was, he was quite a sceptic of lockdown, wasn't he? Yeah, it's because of Steve Baker and his backbench organisation that we didn't go into that lockdown just before yeah. December. And talk about changing the 
you know, the tracks on the railway, mm. what the points on the railway, that put us in a completely and much, much better situation yeah. than another lockdown. I mean, I, I he think, should be PM. He's I think the real, the real corruption in the Tory party was all the dodgy contracts that went out to their cronies and, like, literally billions of taxpayers' pounds were just siphoned off. And they'll all be getting the, the backhanders now. I mean, they already are. Owen Patterson and Randolph. <laughs> You've never mentioned those uh, backhanders before, Neil, <laughs> on the show. Right, we go on to Friday's Mail, and the uh, six-year-old uh, Ricky Neves murderer has finally been convicted 28 years on. What a horrible story. Oh, absolutely tragic. At every turn, this story is, is tragic. So uh, he was murdered uh, 28 years ago, uh, and, and his mother actually originally took the blame. She was tried for his murder. She didn't, she didn't get uh, convicted of his murder, but she got convicted uh, for seven years in jail on, on uh, I think, child neglect and abuse because she, she was uh, violent towards him. Uh, but all the time, the, the man who killed him, who was actually 13 at the time, the, uh, Rick, Ricky Neves was was just six at the time. So a 13-year-old, uh, James Watson, killed him back in 1994. Strangled him with his zip. Yeah, and then uh, and then arranged the body in a starship. It was, it was terrible. And then and like, had abused him as well. And... Yeah, and like since then, it was reminiscent of the, the Jamie Bulger, uh, mm -hmm. those awful, um, that, uh, that awful killing that really, you know, gripped the nation. Um, so uh, this was reopened in 2015 as a cold case, and they used DNA evidence. So they, they took fibres from uh, Ricky's clothes and managed to match it with, uh, with this um, James Watson, who'd had, you know, over the decades, he's used, you know, a web of alibis and changed his story, uh, shown zero remorse. Uh, but they finally, they finally managed to get it. I mean, it, just some of the details in the case just give, it, give a sort of example of, um, of, you know, what a character this six-year-old boy uh, could have been the, the sort of person he could have been. So his sister, uh, Rochelle Neve, um, speaking after the verdict, said he was so loving, he was so caring towards us, he'd do anything. If there was no food, he would go into the shop, nick it, come back and feed us. So a real, like, you know, character. Six years old and he's doing that for his, for his sister. It's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's just tragic that he's given such a, you know, a harsh start in life and, and such a tragic end to, to a young life. OK, staying with the Times and the World Bank is warning of a global food crisis, Steve. Yeah, the, uh, the cost of it is part of the issue. Increase in food prices, in part, I mean, this story talks straight away about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but it was already started. We already saw the prices going up. There's a supply issue with China. There are many reasons you can put on the list of why things are costing more. Yeah, I think, um, I think Russia had already banned the sale of fertiliser before it had invaded Ukraine, and fertiliser is one of the biggest issues, the rising cost of fertiliser. Yeah, and it all trickles down. They talk about staple foods being impacted. It says including wheat and wheat substitutes which means even the gluten-free people aren't going to get away with this, because that otherwise would have been... They'd be boasting at dinner parties. But I mean, it, it is going to be painful. Things are costing more. You look at the, the percentage... That, the World Bank has this food price index, which is a measure of the prices. It reached an all-time high of climbing to 11.5% last month, uh, and year-on-year, 37%. I mean, this is going to be the only diet that ever works for me. It's, <laughs> it's actually starting to worry me about being able to afford food. Mm -hmm. I think you'll be all right, even on a GB News salary. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on the food crisis? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also uh, linked to the government just constantly printing money and putting it, putting it into the system, which devalues everything. If you've got savings in the bank, which, you know, hopefully you do, because that's a sensible thing to do, the government is stealing money from you. Every, every pound it prints. And do you, people always talk about savings. It's also your salary. The value yeah. of your salary is effectively losing 10% a year. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you'll be weeping at this next story from the Mail, Leo. Disney is to be stripped of its privileged 
self-governing state as oh, in Florida. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love this story because uh, Disney, I didn't, I didn't realise this, but because they're such a large enterprise, they've got some sort of special status where they're basically self-governing. They set their own building regulations. They can you know, build the Mickey Mouse hut out of asbestos. And, uh, and they, they set their own, they, they don't pay any tax, or they pay like less tax than they, than they should. But they're in Florida. They've been very critical of Ron DeSantis, who's the governor of Florida, and he's brought through this, uh, I mean, they call it a don't say gay bill. But that's a bit like, basically it's don't, it's stop bringing your, you know, stop bringing your pansexual, genderqueer, naked but monkey man into schools to dress and drag and uh, teach the kids how to be transgender. It's, you know, it's basically stopping this sort of uh, grooming. As we've seen this week with the family sex show, a naked sex show for five-year-olds. I mean, it's really just for, it's, it's for um, kindergarten up to, up to grade, third grade, which is probably, what, seven or something. So it makes sense not to, you know, be all like, hey, this is, you know, these are all these adult sexual practices. You know, no, don't tell the kids that stuff. It's not, a, it's not trying to ban, you know, you still say like, oh, some family's got two dads, some family's got two mums. Anyway, so Ron DeSantis has hit back against Disney, which has spoken out against his don't say gay bill. Uh, and so in, in return, Ron DeSantis as well, ah, you know how you get to make your own rules with the building regulations, the not paying any tax? Well, now you've got to start paying tax. And also that thing's made out of asbestos, so it's coming down now. So uh, yeah, good, more power to Ron DeSantis. Hope he's the next are you a, are you a Ron DeSantis fan, or are you? Where do you stand on well, this? I, I also didn't realise that, that Disney was effectively like a little mini Vatican type mm -hmm. situation. Didn't realise they get to do that. Um, so no, hearing that that's changed for whatever reason doesn't almost matter. I think that was why they got the permission to build it. That was one of the reasons they chose to build in yeah, Florida in the I'm first sure place. It helps out economically for the mm -hmm. area. But no, just because you're a really, really big company, you shouldn't get to have rules that are different to the rest of us. I think is my general view on life. But no, I mean, yeah, they need to clear up the operation. I, I was hearing some reports of the Disney. You should see the size of some of the mice they've got walking around there. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, from this story in Friday's Express, Steve, it would seem that uh, some Man United fans are pretty unhappy. Yeah, you see, I'm not into football, so I don't really get any of this. It's, uh, They're having a bad season. Are they? Yeah. Right. But still, even with that information, my brain won't get around it. So Manchester United captain Harry Maguire has been left shocked by a terrifying bomb threat at his family mansion in Cheshire. Why care that much about football? So the police have been involved. They had sniffer dogs there. And, I mean, that's a worry for anyone, isn't it? Sniffer dogs around your house. That story could take two different paths. But, yeah, um, so <laughs> I, I really... It's difficult to understand the incentive why anyone would be that invested, that upset, that you would then start to do bomb threats on someone's house. So, I mean, I ask that more as a question than analysis. Why on earth should someone... What's wrong with people that they care that much about football? Mm. Are you a football... I don't know if you're a football man. No, I can't believe that finally something interesting happened to do with football. So... <laughs> Right, we move on to, finally, last one in this section, um, The Telegraph. And, Leo, of all people to punch you on a plane, probably the last person you choose is Mike Tyson. Excuse me. Yeah, um, Mike Tyson. <coughs> Mike Tyson. And bear in mind, this is 2022 Mike Tyson, not 1986 Mike Tyson. So the guy's still alive. But uh, Mike Tyson... <coughs> still don't want him to hit you. Yeah, it sounds like he's hit you in the lap. Well, he does, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so Mike Tyson uh, was seen, and it's videoed apparently, repeatedly punching a fellow passenger in business class. I mean, surely you pay the extra money for the business class ticket <laughs> to not be punched in the head. But um, the, the, so the former heavyweight champion apparently was sitting in front of somebody who was hassling him for photos and stuff like that. And it got to, it got to the point, it escalated to the point, he became increasingly agitated by the man and his overexcited friend um, and started uh, punching him. Um, and uh, in the video phone footage, uh, a man is heard saying, hey, 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 Mike, come on, stop that. I've seen the footage and he's like doing that. You know, when you've got him on the ropes, he's doing that. Yeah. He's properly piling in and they, they gang in. But the guy was just sat behind him right. and he was just going off and off and off. Oh, and Tyson could have, would have hit it and he, he obviously eventually cracked. Yeah. But then afterwards, he sat there with a huge, great sort of bruise egghead and he's just looking at the camera and it's literally like he's pleased to have been punched yeah. by Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that almost might be the motivation because you don't really get to hear what happened. But it, it's almost like if you get to meet Mike Tyson, what's the one thing? You don't really yeah. want an autograph. What you want is a bruise. And he managed to make it happen. Yeah. yeah, and he got it on on, on camera and everyone saw it. Right, we've, uh, we've reached the end of part one. That means it's time for an ad break. We'll be back in just a moment with lots of juicy stories. So we'll see you in two. Welcome back to Headliners, GB News' answer to Line of Duty. I'm Dominic Frisby, and with me tonight, reviewing tomorrow's papers, are former chemist Steve N. Allen and former eugenist Leo Kurtz. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get straight back into it, shall we? And Friday, Sun says Austrian incest dungeon monster Joseph Fritzl could be freed in just two years because doctors say he's no longer a risk. I don't think that's quite the point, is yeah, it, Leo? Yeah, the, the criminal justice system isn't just to rehabilitate 87-year-old incestuous uh, cannibals or whatever he did. It's also to, Rapist uh, to punish. Yeah, yeah. So incest dungeon monster, which, funnily enough, is my, was my username on Plenty of Fish. Um, he, was jailed, <laughs> he was jailed for life after keeping his daughter captive in a cellar for 24 years as a sex slave and fathering her seven children. So he's got seven grandkids that are also his own children, yeah. which is, yeah, only in Austria or possibly Norfolk. But uh, he held his, I mean, this is a horrific crime. Uh, from 1984 to 2008, he held his daughter captive in, in an underground basement. And um, so she had, had children. Some of them died. Some of them he brought upstairs to live with them. Some of them died and he incinerated them, which is, which is horrific. Um, they never got any sunlight. They never got any sunlight until until they were they were freed. So they were they were uncovered when the oldest uh, cellar child, 19 year old at the time, at the time. So she'd never uh, had sunlight, never been outside. Uh, 19 years old, she became seriously ill, went to hospital, and obviously, you know, then it, then it was um, it was exposed. And you know, to free him now because he's not a risk. I mean, he's 87 years old. Obviously, he's not he's not going to be a risk to anything except a packet of Werther's Originals. That's not the point. Uh, you know. It, the criminal justice system should punish and should show people, look, if you commit these crimes, that's it. You're going away and you're not coming back. It should disincentivize other people from doing this kind of thing. I mean, you know me, I'm Mr. Bleeding Heart, uh, you know, lovely lefty. But as much as I could normally sit around thinking it's all about rehabilitation and making sure people don't commit crimes again, do you know what, if a few of them slip through the net, then I think we're absolutely fine with that. If, if some people who do the things he does never see the light of day again, which would be a fitting irony, then yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, this is one where people... I'm not going to say it. 
Right, uh, you know, uh, never mind. Covid is back uh, in the news, you'll be delighted to hear, but this time for the right reasons. Numbers are falling. This is from Friday's Guardian. Yeah, the World Health Organisation said the numbers of uh, reported new cases have decreased by nearly a quarter last week. Continuing a decline seen since the end of March. This is all heading the right direction. Uh, we're looking at 24% fewer in terms of number of cases reported, 21% down in the number of deaths. It's all heading in the right direction. There's no reason why it wouldn't be. So this is... Do they know why? Well, the point... I suppose uh, the reason... Actually, no. They don't say whether they know why. My prediction would be... I mean, it should be going down. More people vaccinated, more people natural immunity. Um, evolution of the virus to not necessarily make it more deadly... It's got to be going down. Why would you not expect it to be? And that was going to be the second point after they said the, the trend should be interpreted with severe caution because um, there are people, places that are changing their COVID testing policy. Yes, that is going to definitely impact the number of cases. But even if the data is slightly um, more blurred, the numbers have got to be going down anyway. Sure. I know why it's going down is because people are getting COVID and not reporting it. Like Dominic. He's come in here and coughed all over us tonight. I did a test. <laughs> yeah, the 11 plus. <laughs> and uh, I, got, I, I passed, passed with flying colours. Now, <laughs> Two bars, yeah. Steve, we're going to uh, keep, keep you on this one. I can think of no better person to cover this next story than you. We might be a step closer to a cure for cancer. These stories, I always hope they're not blown out of proportion because this is exactly the news we want to live through. Because it's always been the scary thing, cancer. The, the treatments have been so blunt in comparison to the problem. However, there's a mind-blowing gene discovery that brings tailor-made cancer treatments. So whole gene sequencing, and I was thinking about this out there. I think I remember when it was Bill Clinton at the time was doing some statement about, oh, it's amazing, science has managed to sequence the genome of, of humans. It was amazing. And it took like three weeks of using some Apple Mac thing to churn through the data. Now, a couple of hours, ping, it just prints out. It probably doesn't just print out. But the point is, the science is so good that you can just take a person, and it's not a global uh, project to sequence that person's genome. Just get it done. Yeah. And then you can look, because they've managed to discover by analysing data, uh, new... Uh, and this is adding to ones we already knew about, mutations that are linked to certain cancers. So that means, I'd scan your genome, you have some of these mutations. Well, there are some treatments that are specific to the uh, types of uh, tumour that you might have. Get you full of those. And it just makes... And get them early yeah. is the point as well, yeah, isn't it? it just means that hopefully this is uh, making things happen like, like we've always wanted. Science being used in a specific way to beat cancer. Hmm. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's great. I hope they do it. I want to start smoking again. I want to start smoking <laughs> cigars. None of this vaping. It smells like bubble Very gum. good. I'm sure that's, that's one of the reasons that's motivating these scientists, get people <laughs> smoking again. Right, The Guardian now and a, a trade in Netflix that went very badly wrongly. Oh, my God. Oh, well, somebody please spare a thought for the poor hedge fund billionaires. <laughs> so this guy... Bill Ackman, he's a billionaire hedge fund manager. He sold his shares in Netflix at a loss of about $400 million. Uh, so he, he, bought, um, he bought more than $1 billion worth of Netflix shares in January, despite grim forecasts about, about the company. Um, and, and now Netflix has, of course, uh, announced that since all, a lot of the stuff it makes is completely woke, just the dirge of being lectured about intersectionality is and privilege and stuff. Oh, man, some of the stuff in there. Right. Have you seen? Uh, well, anyway, Netflix is now doing terribly. Its the share price is down 69% since, uh, I think, since over the last high. six months. Over, since yeah, the since, high, since yeah. Since the high, yeah. So, huge crash. Uh, their 
hemorrhaging subscribers, lost 200,000 subscribers. I mean, obviously, they, they lost a lot when they, they cut off Russia, but uh, they're, they're losing ones with money as well. I don't think well. 200,000 is that much, because they've got something like 200 million. It's only like 1%, but the, the problem but is... Their business model is based on growth, sure. and really, they should be still growing. The problem they've got is... Well, there is, because Disney, Disney Plus has come along... Good programs, two or three really good. The Beatles yeah. series, The Mandalorian, you know, good. So there's a challenger there that's making maybe more woke stuff. Well, they're, they're good. The, the Beatles documentaries is good. I think they're losing out. Actually, you made this point. They haven't got the, the monopoly that we thought they once had. They're losing out because GB News has come along and it's making anti woke. TV shows, so everybody's switching on headliners instead of switching on, oh man, some of the stuff... They what you think. don't know is Bill Ackman's bought shares in GB News. <laughs> he has, yeah. That's, where do you think I've got this suit jacket? <laughs> oh my God, feeling it already. But yeah, they should, they should start a lot of the comedy that Netflix... Obviously, the, the stuff, the comedy Netflix puts on, like uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, that's amazing, but they're paying big bucks for that. The newer comedians that they're putting on, they can get cheaper, tend to be complete walk nonsense maybe burn. but i quite admire netflix because they've defended they defended Chappelle. they didn't buckle do you but remember all that picking out the new Chappelles. well that's that's to do with agents and no it's to do with netflix they well yeah no, but it's to do with who the, who the bookers further down the food chain i think no than. no they can they can find these people and i think there'll be a big shake up at netflix and they'll get rid of all these green-haired septum pierced walk uh, idiots and get in some proper i think executives. what you're hearing in the subtext here <laughs> is a pitch by Leo Kirst to have his special on Netflix. I've recorded my special, funny you should mention it, in 4K at Top <laughs> Comedy Club, and I, I'm available, leokirst at gmail.com, Netflix, if you're watching. I thought, I thought you better. would smile embarrassedly, <laughs> but you actually went into full sales <laughs> mode. <laughs> Steve, any thoughts on this? On this? I, I have to say, I quite admire Ackman for taking the loss, because... You know, a lot of that could have that trade could have got a lot, lot worse. I, I, you know, it's it's quite embarrassing. It shows, for him. He's he, lost. it shows he thinks it's going down further. I'll say. But all the news has been saying that as well. Even Netflix are coming out with plans of putting adverts in to try and make it cheaper. Well, that realize that means they realize people don't want to have to pay it. In fact, we at home the other day we turned on Netflix and some announcement came up saying what the new price was. And I thought, I remember when this was five quid. <laughs> what is it now? £15.99 we see. Whoa. If you're on the five, still on the five quid one, does, can you stay on the five quid one? No, it's been going up slowly and slowly. Oh, and they've... Oh, we, we, uh, admittedly, we must be on the special one to get 4K because I'm a nerd and I got a 4K telly, so I, what have I watched in 4K? So I'm a fool to myself. But still, it's not a fiver anymore. It's definitely more expensive. OK. Right, not such good news on the health front from The Telegraph. Eight kids have been given... Excuse me. <coughs> liver transplants and 108 cases of a mysterious hepatitis, Steve. Yeah, uh, diagnosed with this mysterious hepatitis. And it's since January um, that this has happened. And no one really knows why. Some theories are it's a new variant of an adenovirus, which I can't wait until social media works out that adenovirus is also one of the ways of getting the uh, vaccine. I think it's the uh, AstraZeneca one that uses a modified adenovirus from, uh, from monkeys. It's got the same word in it, though, adenovirus. Quick, screenshot, pretend that's science. Um, but they, they don't really know what it is. So uh, you're saying it's caused by the virus? Um, uh, by the, by the vaccine. By the va I'm not, but I'm saying I know someone will. Sounds like he's saying it's caused by the vaccine. They've, um, <laughs> they've managed to rule out hepatitis A, B, C and E. Now, I'm not an expert, but have they looked at D? Because if not, they'll, feel, they'll be fools to themselves. 
Uh, but they honestly, no one seems to know what's happening to it. There's worries that it could be... But in the article, it says that it could be the start of a pandemic. That just seems like, come on. I remember an article like this about a micron in uh, in South Africa and, and yeah. uh, look what happened to a micron. Mm. Right, uh, Leo, let's move on onto The Guardian. And Nadim Zahawi is pro-smacking, as I imagine are you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for other people. Um, but, the, yeah, so the Education Secretary has rejected calls for a ban on parents smacking their children. I don't know if it extends to other people's children uh, in England, revealing that his wife has occasionally given their daughter a light smack on the arm, which is different from, uh, from child-rearing in Scotland, where we give the children some light smack in the arm to help them calm down. Uh, but, yeah, so Wales and Scotland have banned adults from hitting children. He's saying, no, nah, in England, we still need to be able to punch our children square in the face sometimes. <laughs> uh, a slight distortion of what he said. <laughs> but anyway, any thoughts on, on this? Why do you want to hit your kids? They're sometimes, yeah, exactly. sometimes it's just the easiest thing. It's just there you not go. wallop, just a... The you key know, word is easy. You're right. It's easier to take that route rather than find another way around it. Well, and it's also... You know, I'm talking to someone who's got four kids. I don't think I've ever smacked any of them. But but the the um, but I think I was smacked as a kid once or twice. I certainly was at school. I was we we had caning and slippers at my school. But but anyway, the I think the knowledge to know that you, you could be smacked, not that you will be smacked, but the knowledge to know you could be smacked or that you're immune from smacking because it's against the law. Yeah. That's quite an important. Yeah. thing to have that deterrent. And also the yeah. government shouldn't be getting involved in people's family yeah. life. And but again, I think, you know, even if you smack. just give them a... It's... it's, it's I've, the big concern is proper abuse, you yeah. know, proper kids being hit. Which is already Which, outlawed, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. Also, um, what if you're hungover? You want to just take it out? <laughs> want to just download yeah. some of that? Well, you'll, you'll, you'll be taking up the habit how long before yours is due? October the 6th. No, I'm not going to smack my... Kids. Certainly not on that day. Yeah. <laughs> you want to start no, it doesn't get you. Yeah. Like you're supposed to when you take them out. I think they've got someone at the hospital to help with that, though. Mm. I hope. So we come to the end of part two. You're no doubt feeling a, a series of complex and confusing emotions. This is normal, it's healthy, and it can be remedied by such stories as why Anglo-Saxons were vegans, hefty Japanese fines, and why hedgehogs make very bad footballs. That's all coming up in two minutes. Welcome back to Headliners, the show that has comedians review the papers. And I'm Dominic Frisby. With me tonight are Leo Kurse and Steve N. Allen. And this is the section when the stories get a little bit weird. And we're going to start off with The Guardian, Steve, and manifesting. A yeah. big story about manifesting. It is, isn't it? It's many pages that they've managed to write about what is utter rubbish. <laughs> um, so maybe I'm biased on this, but manifesting, which you see this on TikTok, or I do because I spend too long on TikTok, where if you believe it and wish and ask the universe... It's a big thing on TikTok, is it? a big thing. Um, or maybe the algorithm thinks, I need a lot of manifesting. Mm -hmm. Where it, but it's, it's similar to like, things that were taught by that The Secret Book. And before that, there was cosmic ordering, if you ask the universe for something. It's basically that. You've got to believe, in a sense. There's a thing that says, ask, believe, receive. Which can't be true, because still no hair. That's Deliveroo, isn't it? It's, yeah, <laughs> not always, sadly. But... Um, so the, the question that they've posed in this is, does this belief in manifesting, that if you want something good in your life to happen, you just simply need to believe that it will and manifest it, does this rob you of agency? 
of belief that you're in control of your life? Oh, I've got the answer to that. Uh, don't care. Actually hope so. Because if the kind of people who are liable to believe in manifesting spend less of their time interacting with the rest of us, game on. It seems crazy talk. Are you a manifester? No, but uh, physics does say that there's no such thing as free will. Like, science says there's no such thing as free will. And what we perceive as free will is an illusion. I, I think, like... Well, if you have life, down, that's going to be good. Well, uh, <laughs> what, what, uh, just explain, expand. So this is uh, this is from the professor of uh, philosophy of physics at Oxford University who I had dinner Other with. Than actual and, physics, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, but basically, um, so the, nothing. Uh, particles in a physical system can't suddenly decide to go this way or that way. Everything's physical. Uh, if you're going to say there's no metaphysical or spiritual uh, influence, then everything, if you know the state of the, the world, the universe at one point, you know the state at another point. Everything's predictable, everything's reactive. So, in so other words, everything, destiny, no, everything is predestined. Everything's on reels. Well, uh, that's what they say. The original, like, going back to Democrates and having this concept of determinism, determinism, totally agree. The only thing that's not true is that a particle uh, that you definitely know whether it's going to go this way or that way, that's just annoyingly quantum in its probabilistic nature means that actually you don't know which way a particle but even It's the only example that doesn't, though. You put an electron towards a double split or a photon towards a double split, you don't know which way it's going to go. It'll kind of go through both. When you measure it, you can't tell which way. Yeah, but it but goes through both. And, like, quantum, uh, even at the quantum level, stuff is predictive. But it's probabilistic. Well... So you get probability density maps. So actually you can't know where a thing is. Heisenberg tells you that you can't know how fast it's going and exactly where it is. Yeah. So you can't predict its next move. But I would then counter my same argument by saying, it doesn't matter. You don't need to know where an electron's going next. Yes, th there is no free will. And our producer, who chose this story for us and was expecting lots of hilarious jokes about manifesting, <laughs> little did he know that the Greek <laughs> philosopher Demosthenes would be cited here on GB News. Now, who'd have thought it, but TikTok influencers are boosting book sales, Leo. This yeah, is I'm really surprised. I, I always think of social media as destroying old media and destroying us, you know, sitting with a, with a paper book that you can feel and smell and used to swat a wasp. But no, apparently TikTok influencers, they're, they're doing the, the Richard and Judy thing, uh, they're doing the book club thing, and they've boosted book sales to a record $6.7 billion. $6 billion of which is quid. Rowling. 6.7 billion quid. Oh, quid. It's yeah. even more. We Pounds. need to bring in a global currency so I don't make mistakes like that. Bitcoin. But yes, there's a TikTok community <laughs> called BookTok. That's clever. And uh, yeah, But then people are complaining in the book industry. They're never happy. That's why they went into the book industry. Probably reading, you know, Sylvia Plath all day. But uh, they're saying it's bad because Amazon's getting all the money. Yeah, Amazon sells books. Like, what do you want? Like, you're selling lots of books. Just be happy. Why have you, you got to find a problem? It's $6.7 billion. You know, just pounds. Pounds. <laughs> Are you following book influencers on TikTok, Steve? No, they just keep showing me pictures of people manifesting their dreams. So clearly, <laughs> something's gone wrong with the algorithm. Um, maybe you'll get a publishing deal. Now, the mail is next, and careful what you say, Steve. The end oh. of the BBC licence fee is coming, says the former secretary. Yeah, John Whittingdale had a, a job as the, the culture brief in David Cameron's administration. He makes an interesting point. Look, I have more fondness for the BBC than many people sass on, in this room. Um, but <laughs> I very much take the point that the funding model can't exist in a world where people get so much content to them freely. Back when there was like one, two channels, then you could really control things. But the idea of having to pay for it that way, there are many questions about the idea that someone who's a billionaire pays the same amount as someone who is you know, barely making any enough money to survive. So there's that issue that this tax, if you're going to call it that, doesn't really fit with a more progressive way of, of, finding, uh, of charging us. 
it's not going to work long run. It, the fact that you can, the fact that I'm willing to drop £15.99 on Netflix means that, come on, BBC, you're going to have to compete in that world. Also, he does say, in our lifetimes. So yeah. there's quite a long... How long is he going to live? Well, it's the collective we, so he might be talking about, you know, Steve's kid. I think the, I think the, the licence fee has already ended. I haven't paid it in 16 years. 16 years since they came to the door to ask me why I hadn't paid the licence fee and I answered the door hungover in my boxers and I said, come on in. I don't actually have the aerial plugged into the TV. I just use it for watching DVDs. I was, the guy was like, no, I'll put a thing on the thing that means you don't have to pay it. I once didn't pay my licence fee and I was sat watching the BBC and my <laughs> mate went and opened the door and the man, the licence fee, just <laughs> came in while I was watching the BBC. Did you have to pay and, it? Yeah, I got, I was, it was a fair cop. I was rumbled. <laughs> Um, it was when I was a student, but anyway. Um, the Times and Leo, veganism was rife in Anglo-Saxon times or something like that. Well, let's see. I mean, this, is, this is the way the Times is trying to spin it, but this is a shopping list from the 7th century, uh, which may have been for a giant medieval community barbecue where royalty ate with the peasants. Uh, so one relic from the 7th century reign of King Ian of Wessex is a shopping list that asked the local farmers to supply... This is Apparently this is the vegan... List. This isn't vegan at all. Ten vats of honey. It's made by bees. That's not vegan. Uh, Can vegans eat honey? They must be able to. No, it's made by bees. Bees are an animal. Okay. Um, 300 loaves. They could probably eat uh, glucose syrup. Or um, what do you call it? Golden, golden syrup. Golden syrup. syrup. Uh, 300 loaves. 42... They had a golden syrup back then. For, they probably didn't. Probably why they invented it. It's probably some uh, vegan monk. But um, <laughs> 42 buckets of beer... Uh, two full-grown cattle or ten sheep. I mean, is that That's the same? But it, uh, none, none of that's vegan. Ten geese, definitely not vegan. Twenty hens, not vegan. Ten cheeses, not vegan, possibly vegetarian. A bucket of butter, uh, <laughs> not vegan. Five salmon, that's not vegan, possibly pescatarian. And a hundred eels and a partridge in a pear tree. And, uh, that sounds yeah, like one hell of a meal, doesn't it? That is like the yellow sticker area in my local Waitrose. <laughs> Sometimes when I go around the shops, if you see someone's discarded shopping list, I like to have a look at it. Yeah. And I'm now going to write this down in a shopping list as a fake <laughs> one and just leave it on the floor. 100 yeah. eels. Yeah. <laughs> Boost the eel industry. <laughs> right, onto The Guardian, and they have restarted the Hadron Collider, Steve. Yeah, from quantum mechanics to the standard model of how the universe works. So they're starting it, they're trying to discover another particle to look at the fifth... Uh, fundamental force. I mean, this is big, actually. There's science, physics has looked at us having four forces as your main ones. Anyone name them? Gravity, straight away, there's your debate. Is it a force or is it the curvature of space-time? Let's mm. not get into that. Um, and then there's... No. <laughs> electromagnetism, weak nuclear, strong nuclear. And another one that needs to be discovered to sort out why they got a measurement of some muons wrong. But that's how science works. I mean, a lot of the time, they do, an, they do an experiment, expect a result, it's wrong, so they go, oh, we need better rethink our model. So they got this muon experiment uh, a while ago at CERN in Switzerland. And uh, hopefully they'll be working out, you know, another particle. I don't know. There's a, I don't want to be biased on this, but I think the standard model, not all it's cracked up to be, because they don't even have a, a particle for gravity. I think they try and make things, they, they say, we're trying to explain what's happening at subatomic levels, so we're coming up with the 13-dimensional superstring theory, and it's like, you're not explaining it, you're just making stuff up. I think it's, it's all, it's all kind of nonsense. Right, well, is, is our sapphire fibres uh, nonsense, Leo? This now, is from The Independent. This is a good use of science, 
and science people, instead of like banging little particles together in a big tube that's costing me loads of money and using loads of power, they should be doing stuff like this. So they've made a sensor out of sapphire fiber, whatever that is, uh, that could transfer planes <laughs> and help with technologies such as fusion power, which is going to power all our Teslas uh, in, in 10 years' time. So this sensor can withstand extreme temperatures. It still works when subjected to conditions over 2,000 degrees centigrade, the researchers say. So it can be put inside a McDonald's apple pie uh, when, when you get handed it. It can be put inside a, a Cornish pasty. It's like, it's, it's I like your excited voice when you talk about science. You, no, you've got a sort of excited voice. It's very sweet. Well, th this, is, this is really great science. It's, it's made out of industrially grown sapphire. It's basically yeah. fibre optic, but made from industrially grown sapphire. So you can put it in something. It also can withstand radiation. You can put it in whatever you want and it'll still it'll just be there. And it'll watch. What you yeah. want to, what you want to I've watch. always been fond of sapphires. Go on, It's because they just, in defence of the science, um, when they were spending like 10 years ago banging particles together and doing stuff that you couldn't get your head around why it's useful, it's stuff like that that turns into the technology of this stuff. Like so, back then, they're just having crazy scientist fun, and now they've gone, hang on a minute, we can grow sapphires and it can withstand what? Um, although also when they say it can help us with fusion power, that one's the big leap. This is only yeah. 2,000 degrees Celsius. Uh, I think on this show a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about um, in Oxfordshire, they've done new experiments in, in fusion. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing was 17 times the temperature of the sun. So I think it would still be melting your, your fancy sapphire fibre. Still only half the temperature of a, a toasted pita bread, if we take <laughs> it out. The Mail Now and Steve, an alternative to brushing your teeth. Mm, don't do it. Um, so it says, forget brushing your teeth. Kissing is just as good according to a dentist who's probably going to get struck off if that's what he's offering as a deep cleanse. <laughs> um, apparently a four-minute... Yes, I must go and see my hygienist as soon as I can. <laughs> they say uh, kissing is as good as brushing your teeth. How about both? And the brushing the teeth first. Mm. Don't, don't... You don't have to pick. But anyway, um, this is a piece of research. Well, no, this is an opinion, basically, but it produces more saliva. Saliva's good for you. They say it helps you chew and swallow, and it helps you prevent uh, decay. Great. But you can also get this from chewing gum. Uh, you can get it from, I suppose, watching someone else eat would be something that makes you salivate. It, don't, I don't want to live in a world where people don't brush their teeth and think, no, it's all right, I'd snog someone. Oh, yeah. you dirty mouth weirdos. Weather spoons. <laughs> right, let's move on. Uh, I was hoping you'd uh, give us some of your insights into snogging, Leo, but, uh, but no. <laughs> right, um, Leo, if uh, we're staying with the Times and reading this story, don't you wish that the uh, Japanese would come here and run our trains for us? Oh, my God. I mean, they, they do run an incredibly efficient train system, but it's at a cost. The cost is the, like, if you're late by a minute, you get fined. So a Japanese court has told a railway company to return... Uh, the equivalent of 33 pence deducted from the wages of a driver because his train was a minute late. Uh, so and this is posthumous. So he recently, the driver recently died of natural causes and he went, he got, he misunderstood an order. He went to the wrong platform and uh, as a result, his, his train was late by two minutes. So the, the, <laughs> the train company, <laughs> in the most remarkably petty and spiteful way, uh, they deducted uh, two minutes of his time. For the train, for the train being late, and then it got reduced to I think uh, sixteen. No, it, it was two minutes at the time, fifty-one pence. But they reduced it to thirty-three pence because they decided no, actually it was just one minute. So I love the idea that I mean the, the guy died, and they're having to go at him for being late. Yeah, the, the pun rise itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the um, apparently this sort of mania to make trains on time has had, had tragic consequences. Um, there was a crash in two thousand and five in which one hundred and seven people died 
when a train ploughed into a building near Osaka because the driver was speeding to make, up to make time. time, apparently. So, mm. Mm. anyway. Yeah, let's keep doing so, it our way, where we just have incredibly late trains, that even the prediction of when they arrive. Have you noticed how often you're sat on a I train... I do think finding drivers, early? though... You what, sorry? It, finding train drivers, it's not like they're short of a penny, aren't well, don't, don't call them drivers. They don't have a wheel. They've got a button to go fast, button to go slow, button to open the doors. And they get they so much money. They can't press that one. They, so they need someone else to press the door one. <laughs> That's the unions yeah. for you. Yeah. Right. Um, horror. CCTV footage, uh, the Express reports, as a man attacks a hedgehog. Yeah, this is another wrong And I mean, the, every so often newspapers have pictures of people abusing animals. It's always terrible. But this thug from Sudbury was caught on camera cruelly kicking a hedgehog down the road. It's a 53-year-old bloke. Um, during mitigation, the court heard, court heard that the defendant was previously of good character but had suffered a heart attack. How's that linked? He's, now it's on his bucket list. You know, I've always wanted to kick a hedgehog and you've got you've only got one shot at this. Uh, and then they added that it was a one-off incident and he initially thought the hedgehog was a rat. You would still be in court if you were filmed kicking a rat down yeah. the road. That seems like a, a terrible way to excuse it. But uh, in answer to the question, I'm not in favour of kicking hedgehogs. No, nor am I. And I doubt even the ruthless Leo Curse is in favour of kicking hedgehogs. No, I'm absolutely opposed to any cruelty to rodents or whatever whatever type of animal a, he a hedgehog is. I'm not. Is it a, is it a rodent? It's probably a special kind of arachnid or something. I don't know. I'm guessing by a hog, it's related to the pig family somehow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not a pig. No, it's <laughs> not a pig, but no. At first, I thought it was a very small pig, so I kicked it down the road. But it yeah. was spiky than I... Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're cute animals. They're very cute animals. I said related I to someone. the pig. I didn't say it was a pig. They are well, cute animals. I follow some on Instagram. And obviously, these are, you know, these are championship show hedgehogs or whatever. But they're very cute. They lie on their backs. They get tickled. They've got very smiley faces. And their noses twitch around a lot. So, yeah, anything. Like, I'm not so keen on rats. I still don't think they should be kicked. But hedgehogs, capybara... Otters, gerbils, degus, gundu rats, they're all fantastic. Seagulls, can we kick seagulls? You can kick seagulls. OK, that's good to know. Um, I guess this quite interesting thing here is the, uh, the lengths that he was going... He, he was obviously trying to make out in the court case that he was having a hard time in order yeah. that the judge didn't give him too hard a sentence. But I'm amazed, presumably he had a barrister who okayed some of this. And yeah. uh, why did the barrister let him get away with it? Yeah. I suppose it's because you never know. This might not have been a new story. We might not have talked about it, mm. and maybe the, the judge or magistrate, whatever it was, doing it would have been like, oh, he actually had a heart attack, or maybe maybe you were in a weird headspace because of it. But it's a terrible excuse. Yeah. I guess in the C I guess the CCTV footage must have gone viral, and that's how he got arrested. Well, in in the one first. of it, yeah, apparently the, the final kick, you could hear it on the footage. Ooh, Come on, right. that's wrong. But I, I'm guessing he won't do it again. So, uh, you know, if we're talking about making things safe, I mean, compared to Joseph Fritzl, even though, yeah, it's terrible to kick a hedgehog, and quite often animal cruelty is a precursor to, to human abuse or, or murder, like, it's not as bad as Joseph Fritzl. So I feel less, you know, I'd rather Joseph Fritzl stays put away than Mr. Hedgehog Kicker. Maybe just make him wear sandals. Then Job done. Hurt his toe. Never doing that ever again, is it? There you yeah. go. Man of reason as ever. And now, finally, we have the star and possibly the most... Nuts stunt ever attempted, Leo. Yeah, yeah. So pilots are going to try a never-before-seen plane swap stunt. So they're going to jump uh, from each other's from their aircraft and land in each other's aircraft. I'm not entirely sure. There's two, and they're, they're, there's only they're one-man aircraft. Yeah. So they're going to jump out of the aircraft. Yeah. 
and leave the plane flying, presumably with no one in it. Probably in a wingsuit or something. Um, they're going to go, oh, the planes, the planes are going to go into synchronised nosedive. This sounds, I mean, I hope they're doing it over a desert or an ocean. Yeah. They're doing this over blooming North London. Well, it's in California. California, well, there you know. There is desert there, but. Could do some, do some good. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so they're, they're going to fly to 14,000 feet. They're going to put their planes into a controlled nosedive, although it's obviously not controlled because, like, they're not in the planes. <laughs> and then they're going to jump out of the planes, like, you know, oh, they just want to be in Mission Impossible. Like, just tell us you want to be in Mission Impossible. But they're going to jump out and then, uh, I guess, do the skydivey thing into each other's planes and then land the planes. Presumably they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't know they could do it, but... I mean, I guess it'll be a first. I mean, I guess it's quite, it's quite cool. I, I watch all that stuff on uh, Instagram. You know, the people doing the wingsuit stuff and they fly so close, so close to the... You know, they go down canyons. Yeah. And like, oh, that's just, amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, but also, man, you can get that wrong. I've seen videos where it goes wrong, where they, they hit the, the beam on a bridge and that's it. You're, you're, gone. you're gone. You're I mean, you're, you're not just gone, you're in bits. Um, the, can you imagine the highs if you do something like that and you, you get away with yeah, it? Yeah, I know what you mean, but it's just pointless, isn't it? This is just so they can have this to boast about and say the word dude to each other quite yeah. a lot. It is utterly pointless. <laughs> Radical! Uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm, when you see the guy, do you remember the old picture of the guy tightrope walking across the um, Niagara Falls and then, was it between the, the old Twin Towers that, that he tightrope walked across there? I guess... You get you do something like that, it makes your name, makes you famous. Yeah. But you it's get a documentary. Slippery slope though, isn't it? Imagine if that's the, the high that you enjoy, what are you gonna do next? Yeah. When you've jumped out of a plane into another plane. There is a whole culture. Exactly, that's that's the is the sky's the limit, but there's a whole culture in those extreme sports where yeah. people are nuts. Anyway, ladies and gents, that is all we have time for. Thank you very much to my guests, Leo Kurse and to Steve N. Allen. What terrific guests you have been. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much to you uh, for watching. Headliners will be back at the same time tomorrow when Mark Dolan will be sitting in this seat. Um, hopefully we will see you there. And now I'm going to do this thing that presenters do as the show finishes, which is to pick up my notes and look terribly interested in what's there. <laughs>